Have you ever wanted to become a full-time YouTuber, be self-employed, be on your own schedule? Then this is the podcast for you. The next guest we have on is called Josette Elise, and Josette has made a full-time career out of YouTube. She is niched down into the ASMR side of YouTube, and today on the podcast, she's going to be teaching you all about it, how to get good sound quality, how to edit, how she began her career on YouTube, and how you can too. My name is Harrison Brown, and this is the Instantly Podcast. If you're watching or listening, I hope this helps. How did you, how did the ASMR thing come about? So I actually watched it for about two, three years before I even created a channel. Mm. Um, I was at uni living in China and I was super stressed. My degree was solid. And um, Frankie had said to me, why don't you try this thing, ASMR? And she told me about... It's medicine. <laughs> I mean, I've totally like stolen it from her now. But at the time I was like, that sounds really weird, mm. whispering. I've got a little bit of misophonia, like, you know, when people eat too loud, I'm a bit like, mm. um, so I thought I'm not going to really enjoy this. I found an ASMR video and I loved it. And then I found a Mandarin speaking ASMR channel and I was studying Chinese. So it was perfect because it meant that I could relax. Yeah. But yeah. Study my listening skills at the same time. So that's what got me into it. Starting filming my own videos. I was going to China for a business trip. Literally two hours before the flight, I broke my foot. Like oh, two shit. hours. Um, <laughs> the taxi was outside. I'd put my suitcase in the taxi and I ran upstairs to grab like a USB or something. Mm. And then coming down the stairs, you know, when you think you're at the last step, but you're actually at the second last step. Yeah. And you like, like fall through the air a little bit. Yes. Yeah, it's that that's sinking in your stomach. <laughs> I landed on my metatarsal. So like this part of your foot. Oh God. That's... Um, I heard a pop, but I thought it's fine. It's just like, mm. I'd never broken anything before. And in the taxi, my foot was swollen. Uh, the taxi driver was like, ah, if I was you, I'd still be going on that business trip. I'm like, <laughs> blood clots. Um, got to the airport and they're like, yeah, yeah, you've got to go to the hospital. I was broken. I was off work for three weeks. Mm. Super gutted because it was my first solo business trip. Lost the university, like lots of money. So um, I had an old radio mic from uni and started filming a couple of videos to ward off boredom and then I forgot about it when I went back to like work. Did you post them or was mm -hmm. it just? I posted them. I right, posted okay. them. Posted like maybe three or four, went back to work uh, and then about a month later I was like, oh yeah, remember that thing I did? <laughs> went on YouTube. It's hundreds of thousands of views. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. A couple thousand and I was like, oh, and then the comment section was really, really nice because the mm. ASMR niche, honestly, the loveliest comment section on YouTube. And I just kind of kept going with it, filming when I was in hotels on my business trip and filming at half six in the morning before going to work. And mm. yeah, it was just a hobby, but it kind of took off during lockdown as a lot of people's kind of social media yeah. presence did. So lockdown is when you were like, right, I'm going to post X amount a week and you just had a schedule or was it more just no, kind of No, I've never really had a schedule. Mm. Um, I've tried to stick to like in lockdown, especially once one a week. Mm -hmm. I think there was a point where I was getting... Uh, maybe two churned out a week so it's like eight videos a month but um, we've never really stuck to a schedule you'll have YouTube channels are like 
posting Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. No, mm. no, I've never done that. You just like when you I really wish, can. I wish I had like, yeah, the organizational skills, but no. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's weird. Some people start YouTube like deliberately as a business. Like there's different channels. I, I, I run three channels at the moment. One of them's business orientated and it's more like, right, we kind of see the end. Uh, we see this kind of a means to an end. Whereas like the podcast channel would just be because I enjoy podcasting. Yeah. So it's like, and I think that the ones that grow are always the ones that don't have the business objective. Yeah, they're the kind always, of organic ones. Yeah, they're always the ones that's like, I'm just going to do it because I like to do it. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. Um, it's like really interesting. And you fell into that through pretty much just boredom. Yeah, pretty much boredom. Yeah. Something I liked and thought why not you know this has been helping me out for three mm. years maybe somebody'd like to listen to this scottish gal whispering yeah. a wee bit the scottish <laughs> accent's huge though isn't it oh they really like it like <laughs> i mean 40 percent of my subscribers are uh, from the usa right so okay. i think you know they like the accent and yeah. i'll get a lot of comments about my accent so. i found your channel through this is so fried this oh, is really? so weird so i remember remember we went filming uh we went down to where did we go aberdeen yes and we were filming in aberdeen yes, and yes. for kintra which mm -hmm. is amazing by the way we'll talk about that later but uh so we were filming for kintra and i kept asking you what your youtube channel was and you were like i'm not telling you i'm not telling you somebody commented it on frankie's podcast that she did with us and they were like um it's it's ASMR shortbread's sister or something like that. And I was <laughs> sitting looking at it and I was like, the hell does that mean? And then I was like, oh, oh, I've got it. And I found your channel. I've like discovered it. To be it. fair, I own it so much more now. Mm. Own it so much more. I wouldn't have any qualms telling you, even though it's only been a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. <laughs> there's been a shift in my, I don't know, perspective, my outlook on life, I guess. I don't know in the past couple of months. Um, but when I was in India for my 30th birthday, actually, no, 21st birthday, <laughs> mm. <laughs> for my birthday. My 29th, um, 29th. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in India for my big birthday, um, people were asking me, what do you do for living? And I was saying, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel. Mm. And it's the first time I could recall that I've ever owned it like that. I've always just said, oh, I, I DJ or I run events, blah, blah, blah. And it was so liberating um not hiding from it anymore and i think when i stopped really caring about what other people thought that's when i was able to take ownership of it and think hey no do you know what i i help people i've mm. got comments to back that up i've got people that i've connected with online that really do seem to benefit from what i create yeah sure maybe 99 percent of the world will think it's absolutely mad but if i could help that one percent mm. then i'm I'm doing my job and I think when I realized that that's when I'm I kind of got rid of the anxiety the anxiety but yeah exactly yeah. exactly but one percent of the world is huge <laughs> well it's not quite like that. No, no, no but, but do you, you know what I yeah. mean like like so 99% of people used to be like oh Harrison you know your photography is a bit weird and I'd be like well one percent is pretty big so I'll focus on that one percent yeah I so, love that yeah it's like it's that shift in perspective what what mm. happened in India to make you kind of like the, oh. the, the, the change she goes to India comes back with a new life perspective <laughs> new, new lady <laughs> no no it wasn't really India as such mm. um it was probably before then but mm. because I was meeting mm. lots of new people in India it was a point where I could actually say hey I, like that's when my perspective the guard dropped yeah my guard dropped yeah exactly because mm. I could yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. I would say it's probably been 
over the past couple of months, like living on my own, um, a lot of things kind of fell into place in my life. Like the last year and a half has been quite crazy in the sense, you know, a lot of things happened that I didn't anticipate moving city without really having a plan. And it all fell into place just before turning 30. And it's almost as if I could just compartmentalize my life. And now I feel as if, you know, this is a, a fresh start for me. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. And I kind of know who I am now. Hmm. Oh God, I'm, I'm so cringe, but it's true. But I think that come and some people discover that a lot later than others. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's great that you've discovered it now. And it's like, and it also is kind of a relief when, when you realize that people actually aren't as bothered as you thought they might be. Mm-hmm. So like, did you feel that you were telling people and you were like, oh, you're actually not judging me like I thought you would yes yes and I didn't want to have to explain but I do have to explain you know Mm. but people people's reactions are more of curiosity than scorn or mocking it you know and that was quite refreshing to see sure there will probably be people that find my videos and have a laugh and be like oh my god look at that but They'll think about it for five minutes and that'll be it. Yeah, social media is so quick. Yeah. Like the you see the stuff in the news that comes out. I mean, there there was stuff that we were talking about earlier today. Like that that kind of stuff, I guarantee you in like a week will be gone. Like because people just move so so quick with like TikTok memory. So they've got like nine seconds, they'll remember it for a week and then they've moved on to the next thing. The next like viral moment. How how did it so how does the conception work with like what I've always wondered is how do you conceptualize like an idea? And then record it because there's some of your ASMR videos. You're like, I don't cutting people's hair, and then mm-hmm. it, do, do you know like that kind of stuff? What what's the process? Like, how do I come up with the ideas? Yeah. So before I start filming, I'll have a rough idea of what I want to film. So if it is like a hair cutting video, then I'll get all my stuff out. I'll have my scissors and the, sh- <laughs> the shampoo sounds and yeah. all the, like the yeah. Everything laid out, but in terms of what I'm going to say, it's very much off the cuff. Mm. I'll just um, improvise, and I think it works better that way for my channel. Anyway, a lot of people will comment and say how they like how personal it seems and how relaxed it seems, and because it isn't scripted, I'm just kind of going going with the flow. Yeah, and yeah, it, the process isn't that like the, the planning process isn't that. Like strict. In, yeah, in strict or in depth. Mm. And usually I will just ramble, ramble away. 40 minutes ramble. Some people like it differently. It's interesting when we film the Chisholm Hunter videos. So normally I do what you do. I'll have like, I'll memorize the specs of a watch and then I'll kind of just say my feelings and it'll be like, blah. And then it, it's quite easy to come out. A lot of it might be rubbish, but we just trim the rubbish. And then a lot of it's quite good. When you end up getting to like people that have more stringent, non-creative jobs, they love a script and they can't do anything without a script. Yeah. And it's like, and it makes it very blocky. Yeah. Like it makes, it makes it very like non, like we're having a conversation at the moment. It wouldn't be like that. It would be more like, this is the question. This is the answer. And this is the question. This yeah. is the answer. Yeah. And it, so I feel like doing it naturally is, so much better yeah like so much better I enjoy it that way and the beauty of whispering means that I can think about what I'm about to say because you know right now there'll be a lot of ums and ahs but with whispering 
it's meant to be slow. It's meant to be relaxing. So I could take my time and I don't need to worry about what's going to come next. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm about to say and it comes out. Like, oh, go. <laughs> and sometimes, like, it's funny because people will comment um, and say, oh, you know, on that video you said this, blah, blah. I'm like, really, did I? Because mm. sometimes... So you don't remember what comes out? Because it's, it's, it's not very as if natural. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like if you and I had a conversation a year ago. Yeah, yeah. I could remember the gist of the conversation, but I wouldn't remember mm. exactly what I'd said. Whereas some people who watch my videos, maybe a certain video will strike a chord with them. They'll really resonate with that video. They'll watch it a few times, quite a lot of times, and they know what I'm about to say. I've done it. I There's one or two videos that are my go-to videos and I know they're going to send me to sleep. Um, one of them, this girl, ASMR Daria, and it's this role play where it's in lockdown. And I know exactly what she's about to say. So, but I'm sure she's probably filmed that video and it's like, I can't even remember. Yeah. So that's that's the case with me. Quite yeah. a lot of times, actually. There is videos on YouTube, though, that you you like you keep coming back to because it triggers you in some way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's just finding the trigger. So for you, it was like ASMR. And you can uh, that, that's the thing that you can get really dive deep into and it hits a chord, it strikes a chord with you. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, it was maybe like travel videos and there's there's certain travel videos. I know exactly what happens, but I'll still rewatch them. Oh, really? Just out of like comfort. Oh, that's nice. It's just like a comfort thing. I think it's like, oh, I need some inspiration. Let's watch this guy. Cause, or like Sam Colder, he's an amazing editor. Okay. Is, is there other YouTubers that you kind of go, these are the inspirations? Oh yeah, for sure. W which kind um, of ones? Are they the same style, ASMR? Yes. Yeah. So there's loads of different styles and sub niches of ASMR. You've mm. got fast and aggressive ASMR, which yeah, doesn't sound relaxing. <laughs> People love it. Um, I tried my hand at it. Nah, it's not for me. It's not for me. Uh, but that grew, like blew up in lockdown. Mm. Uh, you've got people that stick to role plays, so they have these fantastic ideas, and they've mm. got a lot of cosplay. Sorry, a lot of cosplayers do it, and they'll make up a scene and they'll just pretend that you're part of this scene in this story, very elaborate. Whereas I watch personal attention, so the kind of ASMR I create, it's almost as if somebody's there with you, and it's like a friend or I don't know, a family member, somebody that's looking after you, making sure you're okay, brushing your hair, just mm. giving you a pamper session. That's what I like to watch. And I film and create what I like to consume pretty mm. much. Um, like a DJ likes to play what they listen to a lot of the time. Yeah, it's that's, the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I like I will adapt it thinking, okay, my audience will probably like this. I can make it a little bit more relaxing if I do this. But in general, I'll create the kind of videos that I watch. Mm -hmm. And what kind of videos do best for you? Is there like a, is there like a niche that you're like, people like this genre of ASMR for you, if, if that makes sense? Yeah. Uh, the videos that have done well for me tend to be the ones where it's kind of like point of view, they're lying down and it's like they're, they're going to sleep, that mm. kind of thing. Or my mic scratching videos tend to do quite well. And it's, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's very different. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried my hand at ASMR mukbangs. I haven't bothered with that. What's, what's mukbangs? Eating. So. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a bit, oh, big, big niche. Um, really? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you just buy different food and like chew on it? Yeah, that's what people do. Yeah. Really? They get 
hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, millions of views. Some of the bigger channels have got, I think like 8 million subscribers, probably more. And they're racking up so many views. Oh my but God. they have it beautiful. Like the aesthetic is stunning. Yeah. And it's not like eating a pizza and like dribbling oh, it all. Yeah. <laughs> or there's this one girl, um, is it ASMR Honeybee or something? And she will have the most beautiful... Uh, kind of like assortment of sweets and it'll be color coordinated it'll be like rainbows cakes that are in the shape of a shoe and she'll be munching on this shoe and stuff like that it's mad so it's just like it's more like the i feel like people just want someone with them and that's what you offer yes but also there's the auditory aspect of asmr so a lot of people were drawn to it ASMR in the beginning because of this tingle sensation. Hmm. I don't know if you know anything about this. Yeah, so yes, is that when you're... So see if you listen to a really amazing song mm. and you get a kind of tingle in your brain. Yeah, kind of. Kind of the same yeah. thing? Yeah, except it's... It travels more around your body. So it starts kind of at the base of your neck. Or mm. so the, the back of your head kind of goes down the base of your neck. I feel it in my shins. It's like a tingly sensation in my shins. And I actually experienced this tingle sensation when I was about five years old. And I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know what it was. I watched Roald Dahl's The Witches. And it's the scene where the witch goes into the hotel room and there's these little perfume bottles. And I'll always remember that scene. And she unopens the perfume bottles and then puts them on her wrist really delicately. And the music's kind of like sneaky because she shouldn't be doing it. She does that. And she walks away. <laughs> And it used to just send these tingles down the back of my neck mm. uh, when I was when I was wee. And every time I watched that scene, it would happen. And then this tingle sensation maybe came once or twice later on in my life. And then when Frankie introduced me to ASMR. That's when it happened. Whew, I said, oh, this is for me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's really relaxing. People confuse ASMR with something that's sexual. I mean, mm. I get it. ASMR is intimate, um, especially what I do. A lot of the camera touching, um, the up-close personal attention. Yeah, it's definitely intimate. But, I mean, anything could be sexualized. And people will sexualize it. And people do. And they can make a lot of money doing that, which is absolutely fine. And people love watching sexual ASMR. But in general, it's not a sexual concept. And this relaxation, tingly feeling is pure relaxation not everyone experiences the tingles um <laughs> i think there's been a couple of research uh sorry there's been some research done about it i think maybe 30 percent of the population has supposedly got it got this ability to feel tingles so asmr stands for autonomous sensory meridian response and it's this response that the videos are trying to trigger mm. uh, and create these tingles yeah and, and your audience just that's interesting what you were saying about some there's obviously going to people be people that sexualize anything yeah. i mean a, a girl posts a bikini picture on instagram some people will sexualize that it's just kind yeah. of this is what it is yeah. um is your audience split mostly to ladies or mostly to men it's actually more men to be fair more um, men. i would say it's probably 65 percent guys or 70 percent guys on youtube but interestingly, in TikTok, it's about 50-50. Yeah. See, it's interesting. My I was having a discussion with one of my pals the other day, and he was saying, uh, 
I bet you your personal Instagram account, he was like, I bet you it's all girls that follow your Instagram account. Because it's travel content, right? Yeah. It's aspirational travel content. So I was like, I don't actually know. And I checked and it's like 80% male. Oh, wow. And I, I'd never have guessed that. That's yep. the reason I was asking. It's just like, I'd never have really guessed that. Yep. It seems like the audience that you think you have is probably not that audience at all. <laughs> like it's just, it's just like totally different. Definitely. And have you been, and do you film... In terms of your, I mean, your kind of light schedule, uh, do you film for your subscriber, you know, like paid subscribers? How, do you post videos weekly for that or monthly for that? No. No? So a lot of them are older videos. Mm. I created my kind of like paywall on YouTube because you've got yeah. like a members area. It's the members deck. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I created that um, because... YouTube suggested to you know and I thought all right okay fine um made a couple of stickers I made a discord group that kind of thing but I wasn't really offering anything so I've done a couple of live streams that are just for the members yeah. and then past live streams as well I'll make them private or only available to to members so it's exclusive content yeah really it's but I'm, yeah. I haven't really made exclusive content for that part of my YouTube channel for a long long time um, it is usually just old videos that no longer kind of serve my channel, but I, I keep them there just in case some people really, really like them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you'll know. You, you've mm -hmm. got a brand, if you like. When you get better with your editing skills, um, your channel just develops. And some of my older content, I don't feel like it has a place on my channel anymore. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's when I'll maybe just make it available just to members. And it's always nice to keep this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that like seeing where you were versus where you are now. Yeah, it's part of the journey. It's really amazing. So have you looked at your old videos? What's the kind of difference between your old ones and your new ones? Is there... Oh, gosh. I just feel like I seem a bit awkward. Hmm. And a lot of the audio maybe kind of cuts out or I'm very met like meticulous with my uh, audio now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Back then, maybe if there was a little bump or a, a, like a plosive, something like that, I would yeah. just leave it in. Whereas now I'll try and edit it out and it takes a lot, a lot of time. Mm. And I'll focus probably more on the audio than the visuals. So to a lot of people, ASMR looks like, oh, that looks easy. You know, just turn on the camera for an hour and fire it up to YouTube. But behind the scenes, it's the audio that I'll sit and go through and edit and make sure everything's sounding okay and sounding as good as possible. Hmm. That, that's the thing that people don't see as well. <clears throat> it's like the hundreds of hours of editing that goes into getting as good as you are now, but also just editing the raw filming, or, you know, filmed video um, and getting it to YouTube. And then yeah. doing the thumbnail. I mean, thumbnails take... <gasps> Thumbnail, yeah, thumbnails are wild. Like so I'll spend more annoying. time in a thumbnail than I will in the video. I'm just staring at this thing, I'm like I wouldn't click in that. <laughs> the annoying thing with thumbnails for ASMR is because a lot of the time it just is the ASMRist's face, mm -hmm. and I'm just, I'm so fed up looking at my face, you know. Yeah. And it's the difference of like, yeah, you know, yeah, just a tiny movement, but uh, you spend so long, mm. um, and it's also demoralizing right when you put so much effort into a video and it absolutely tanks. tanks yeah have you ever had that yeah 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 and then it's the ones that i least expect to do well that will kind of skyrocket which is weird but mm. hey 
Yeah. YouTube's a fickle, it's fickle a, beast. It's such a strange thing. There's things I'll help you. Let me know when you're next doing your thumbnail. There's things that we implemented um, that we got kind of guidance on from some big YouTubers that work so well. Cool. Like there's just certain, for example, if you had, a, I bought Mr. Beast, I bought 10 Lamborghinis for someone. Uh, whereas quite a lot of people will put 10 Lamborghinis in the thumbnail, he'll only put his face, one Lamborghini, and then the person. And it's always like, it's rule of three. So you always have three things you're focusing on. The person seeing the thumbnail knows Lamborghini relates to, there's like, you don't need to show 10 Lamborghinis. Yeah. Do, do you, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, but there's certain things it's that like you can do. like the concept. Yeah, it's the concept. So like your thumbnail is your attention grabber and your uh, title is your sales pitch. So like the attention grabber needs to be something like a bit outrageous is what normally people go for. Um, and then the title would be the invite in why they should watch the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certain things in the thumbnails that will like rocket the click through. And then if your click through rockets, most of the time think other things follow through. It, is your, I'm guessing your average retention's mental because people will sit and watch like relax to that. Um, it's... I don't know if it's mental because I don't have anything to compare it against, but mm. I would say averaging on about 35% to 40% retention. But these are 40 minutes videos. Yeah. So 50% for So you're like, that's like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's a long time. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's so good. That's so, that's so <laughs> good. No, honestly, as a, as a, like from a business perspective, that's like yeah. amazing. That's really really good but there's a lot of asmr so that's the thing there's a lot of asmr channels because it it is fundamentally quite easy to do i'm banging on about oh you know i'm sitting here editing all the audio but to be honest that's that's my thing i will pick up on it whereas to be honest the average asmr consumer probably don't really mind and that means there'll be channels that blow up and they're very very basic maybe it's just actually lo-fi just them whispering on a phone because that's one of the great things about the ASMR community is people do it as a hobby. They just want to sit there and ramble for 30 minutes and into a camera and they don't really mind. Um, and I think a lot of people that create the ASMR channels don't do it as a you know a business idea. You see it now. I, I'm definitely yeah. seeing a lot more ASMR channels that blow up and you look at the very beginning videos and you're like, they, they've had experience before doing this. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say some of the older channels, you could see how it was a lot more organic. And I mean, the, the ASMR community has been around for about 15 years. It started off mm. as this, there's this one woman uh, from England. She's still got a channel. I can't remember her channel name. And that's quite bad because she's essentially the mother of <laughs> ASMR. ASMR. But she just wanted to listen to whispering. She wanted to find whispering online, couldn't. So she thought, well, I'm going to record whispering and just recorded herself whispering into her phone. No audio, sorry, no visuals, just reading books or whatever. And the community was very, very small. And then it started growing. And I would say it kind of took off properly about eight years ago. It really kind of gained momentum. And then about five years ago, I think it became into the spotlight, you know. Uh, COVID as well. I yeah, as helped. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is the best the best way to listen to it? I'm guessing is with big headphones. Yeah, or even just earphones. Um, I actually prefer earphones because I'll be able to lie in bed that way. Mm. Uh, but now you've got some like headphone band things. I've sponsored with a couple of these companies where they have 
headphones and or earphones inbuilt in these bands and you could sleep with them. They're called sleep phones. That's quite cool. Oh, they're really nice actually. Yeah. It means you don't wake up and you've got like a wire around your neck. Oh yeah. I was yeah. using it in India and <laughs> these ones, they've got like eye mask as well. So it's like this big band that goes around your whole head mm. and you've got your ears um, listening to whatever rain sounds or ASMR. And mm. What's your proudest video, do you think? What video do you look back at on your channel and you're like, this is what I'm most proud of? Um, it's hard to say proud of because for me, it's it just feels like me sitting there rambling. Mm. You know, I... But do you listen, like there's some videos that I listen back to and I'm like, or there's some days I film and I'm really not feeling up for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know that that was just an okay yeah. video. But yeah. like, there's days that I... I I, I this sounds cocky but there's days that I like I'm like that was a good video yeah I was like I was like I, I was on form I was mm. like excited I knew what I was doing knew what I was talking about I was on form okay right that's not fair of me to say about myself okay yes no I am <laughs> proud of my ASMR channel but I think there was one actually I filmed when I was over in China so I even though it was a hobby for me I was quite consistent with it and I was filming in weird locations because I still wanted to put out content for my subscribers so I'd be filming in hotel rooms uh, when I was on my business trips and there was this one that I was in the swimming pool and I thought I really want to do something that's like you know helping anyone if they've got jet lag I've got mad jet lag right now when I've had my shower after swimming what can I do and I kind of filmed this little video where I was in the hotel room I had the tv on but it was really really low and it was like this immersive experience where I could just sit in there rambling and I really couldn't be bothered at the time. And then as soon as I start filming, it's fine. I, I really get into it. It's one of those, it's not that I can't be bothered actually when I'm about to film. It's more like I, it's like, not nerves, but I think, oh, is this going to be good? Mm. You know? Mm. And it's almost as a, a reluctance to film because I, You're I'm, unsure. I'm unsure if it's going to be good or not. And as soon as I start filming, I get into it mm. and I enjoy it. And then I finish. I'm like, why was I unsure? It doesn't matter if it does well. I enjoyed that. And that's, as a, as, I hate saying it, but a YouTuber, you, you kind of lose sight of why you did it in the first place. The whole point is to have fun. Why would you do this job, if you like, if it wasn't going to be fun? And I think we focus on, the analytics and the subscribers. I think that's also why I have had this shift in perspective over the last couple of months as well. I mean, I'm sitting at 150,000 subscribers. If I don't grow anymore, that's fine. But if I could keep helping the group of people that come back to me consistently, if I could provide them with something that they need, then that's me doing my job. Hmm. And when I kind of realized that and stepped back for a moment and thought, this is why I'm doing this. It brought the enjoyment back to me with it mm. and allowed me to own it more. Yeah, that, that happens to a lot of creators, I feel. I feel like the first, the, the best moment to catch a creator's content normally is the first year because that's when they are doing what they want because they, they're not infatuated by the stats. Yeah. They kind of just do what they do and this is what they enjoy to do. And then all of a sudden you, you have this temporal shift over like six to 12 months where they realize, oh, money. And then all of a sudden, stats mean money. I need to focus on stats. Yeah. And then you get this shift towards more clickbaity, yeah. 
yeah you they, they maybe lose sight of themselves a wee bit um but to, to the reason i ask that question is sometimes it's good to like go back and realize why you started that yeah because the journey it seems is firstly you enjoy to do it which is the primary thing you need to enjoy to do it to do it well but also you're helping people and i think you'd be very like your channel's big like 150,000 people if you imagine them in a room you've got a bloody big room um so that's like a huge channel and you'd be very surprised at the amount of them you've like really helped um and when you think of it that way it's a really nice thought it is really nice and oh sorry no you're all good um yeah i think what that wasn't my phone is on silent i'm turning it off you're all good technology eh? <laughs> yeah. so I've been recognised a few times so I think that's when it started becoming a wee bit more real I think um, a couple it's usually on nights out and I'm absolutely like steaming. <laughs> you help me and my baby go to sleep that's the first person approached me in this um in rusty's in newcastle mm. i was like ah oh. hung up with the hung up for the rest of the night giving big hugs the pictures are horrendous <laughs> but that was so nice and it's happened quite a few times now mm. but it it's really touching to me that they, they want to come and tell me this and that yeah i could inspire somebody in that way you know and that makes it all worth it for me if you can touch someone like that, yeah. it's pretty special. Mm -hmm. I think, like, lo yeah, looking back uh, on what I've done, I think one of the, which is, a, this is a weird one, but <clears throat> I've worked with some amazing brands and I'm really proud of what I've done. But a lot of people have been like, what's the proudest moment? And uh, there was three years ago, I made my mum a video for Mother's Day. And it was literally just like nice music of clips of us when we were younger. And it was like videos of the house new merged with the old videos and all That's that nice. kind of stuff. It's just like really quick. And I remember showing her that and she was like bawling with tears, like so upset. And it made me realize the impact that I can have just by doing what I find relatively easy. And like, you'll probably have the same thing. Like people will really respond to what you do. And it might just be like a passing thing to you, yeah. but people can like seriously respond to it. Yeah. And the people coming up to you, I mean, that's like a huge privilege. Mm -hmm. um, Cause obviously you've had a huge impact on them. Yeah. Is it, is it happening? I'm guessing it's happening around Glasgow or is it? Yeah, uh, around Glasgow yeah. as well. Um, there's been a few people that are now tuned into my music because of mm. ASMR and a couple of people in particular. They, yeah, they've sent me some beautiful letters and like um, they've had stuff delivered to the venues that I'm going to play. Um, gifts you know just something yeah. nice thing not not in a weird way just showing gratitude and it it was overwhelming it was really nice mm. and hearing about their journey and how through my music I've inspired them to go out and see more of the world and things like that it, it's it blows my mind mm. and I, I don't know how or why but there must be something in what I've created that resonates with them on that level and it fuels them with I don't know motivation to go out and live their life more yeah. that that was probably the biggest thing for me that specific example mm -hmm. yeah isn't it weird that you can have so much of an impact over a screen mm -hmm. like people that I've bumped into they'll talk to me as if they know me 
Yeah. And I'm like, you actually, I've like put so much of my life on social media that they probably do. Yeah. Like in a way they, because pro- you'll be kind of the same. Yeah. I'm guessing a lot of stuff you'll talk about is like, it's like personal stuff. And a lot of them will like know that. ASMR particularly because like I say, my kind of niche is that personal attention hmm. and the more real and open and honest I am, the more the viewer feels like they have that connection. And it's not like, I'm not doing this to create that, but it just happens. Mm. You know, it, it's an outlet for me as well. I now live and work on my own. And when, when I'm filming an ASMR video, I don't really have a specific person I'm speaking to. Mm. I don't know if it's just my inner critic or my inner voice that I'm <laughs> talking to, I don't know. But it helps with my own loneliness in a way. So you feel like you're talking to someone. Yeah, yeah. And it's like journaling in a way. People will get their thoughts out and process things. In my videos, I could, if I'm watching myself back when I'm editing, I could literally see myself thinking things through and perhaps a little dose of wisdom I'll give out in a video. It's because I've, I've actually lived it and I've gone through that and I'm able to give a little bit of life experience, a, little, a wee bit of life experience through the video. So it's helping you process information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like a, a, your own it's channel therapy. of yeah therapy. So as well as you're giving the viewers a great immersive experience, you, it's almost like you are thinking things through in your brain and you're coming to terms with everything you're thinking through. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of giving you an outlet to do that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and I think also because right, not beating around the bush, ASMR does seem a bit weird. Mm-hmm. I I am weird, right? But who is <laughs> Me and you both, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit weird. But because I've got this channel and because I've started owning it, I I think that's be, it's helped me know who I am or learn who I am because I now, I'm thinking, well, I'm doing one of the weirdest things out there. I could receive so much judgment. I'm whispering and touching a camera so many people will think, wow, what an absolute weirdo. So I've, I feel like I've already peaked in terms of the weirdness scale. scale. So like, Can't go above that. <laughs> whatever else I do, yeah, yeah. Like, I've already hit it. You know, I've plateaued. So I think for that reason, I've got this really like, I don't care attitude. Not in a, a destructive way, but in, I'm, this is me and I'm going to unapologetically be me. It's quite liberating. It is. And I think when... I kind of reached that point it allowed me to think well this is actually this is who I am love it or leave it you know and um, India helped with that do you think yeah that did yeah. help like just the amount of people that I met and the conversation I was having and being able to yeah there was no prior conceptions of who I was as a person that was mm. just me there in the moment and I could be whoever I wanted to be and I chose to be myself. Do you think it was the cut? I've heard a lot of people talk about um, India and Japan and they're saying that, and Indonesia actually, they're saying I think it's the culture there as well is Mm. really quite incredible for people that are maybe slightly more, I'm I'm one of them, weird. Yeah. (laughs) I think the the kind of people that would travel India Mm. tend to be a little bit quirky anyway. So I feel like it was more the people that I was around. Yeah, the culture is definitely more open, uh, spiritual. 
And I think that t t I was able to tap into my spiritual side in that sense. But not really, not really. It it was through more of the, the people I was meeting and the impression that they had on me as well. Mm. Uh, I was staying in a hostel and this was probably the best hostel I've ever stayed in. And I've stayed in a lot of hostels. Yeah. But just because the setup was amazing for facilitating conversation you'd come out your room and there was this big open communal area and no matter where you sat you, you were going to be across from someone and everyone just chatted and it was a very tight-knit close community and all walks of life you know when I went to Thailand last year and the people that I was meeting when I was traveling were pretty much early 20s 19 20 21 they're on a gap year, whatever, going to get drunk. Whereas India was more... Connective. Yeah, people were there to explore, mm. to have an adventure. And that, it was palpable. You know, you could feel it when mm. you were meeting people and the kind of conversations you had. So it, was, it wasn't so much even the culture of India, it was just the kind of people it drew, drew in. Mm. And that is what helped me kind of, Come out your shell a little bit. Yeah. Well, not even come out my shell. It just, it just made me realize a few things about myself. Mm. That's all. That's nice though. It's like, it's a, it's a place to reflect. Yeah. So to speak. I think a lot of people, I've been to Thailand, like 90% of the time you're hungover. It's, it's, it, I mean, I did have a lot of partying yeah. going on in India. <laughs> there was a lot of side trance, <laughs> but it just in general. Mm. Yeah. If I was to get into ASMR, where would I start? Where would you start? So say I, I enjoyed your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I've been inspired by okay. it. Okay. I think try out a lot of different things hmm. and see, well, first of all, start of, start making what you enjoy. So if you are really into the tapping, <laughs> so there's a lot of people that sit there with the tapping. And I don't do a lot hmm. of like tapping or whatnot. It's actually a very good mug for tapping. <laughs> 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 um, Whatever you consume, whatever ASMR you watch, start off there mm -hmm. and then try a couple of different things. Try try your mukbangs, try your barbershop <clears throat> role plays yeah. and just see what, what takes off, to be honest. Mm. Uh, there will be one video that sticks out that the audience responds to better than others mm -hmm. and then you start niching down that way. Mm. Like I've seen channels that, maybe they'll put up 10 videos all very different and then one will do really well so then you'll see the next five videos are kind of along the same vein and yeah. that's it's just trial and error i would say with anyone starting a youtube channel do what you enjoy first and foremost and then see what works see what doesn't yeah yeah for sure and if i, if I was going into smr what kind of like would you advise mics? Oh or? yeah, uh, the Blue Yeti. I could see you've got one right there. In the corner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect mic. Um, that's pretty much the entry level one. But mm. there's channels that are lo-fi, so they literally just record on their phone as well. Yeah. My phone has like a binaural uh, input, so it's got an input on the bot bottom and the top. So if I record mm. with my phone, you will get that stereo sound, which is pretty cool. Oh, really? So it has two speakers? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's got two speakers. Oh, that's quite cool. I didn't know that. It's yeah. an iPhone. No, it's a Google Pixel. Oh, the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I would say, yeah, Blue Yeti, 
and even just a phone camera mm. and get yourself started that way. And then you can just do things raw. You don't need to, like the first first couple of videos, I'm guessing you didn't really edit as much. Oh no, I barely edited, yeah. Yeah, you were just upload. Yeah, and I didn't, like now I colour grade it and mm. make it look good, but yeah, pretty much just align the audio and then off it went. Mm. Mm. And if someone was getting more into the professional, st- like the, to the professional point, what kind of editing software, what would you suggest for them to do with their sound in terms mm. of how to make it sound good, pretty much? So I use DaVinci Resolve. Mm. I like it because it's free. <laughs> and for an ASMR video, you really don't need a lot of functions mm. on your software. And DaVinci Resolve is, it resolves, sorry, is actually excellent for what it offers. I would say uh, a lot of people will record into Audacity, so if it's a USB Blue Yeti mic, you'll need to record onto your computer, record straight into Audacity. Then you can manipulate it, you know, um, removing noise or you could... Sorry, I'm, he- I'm hearing sirens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just automatic now. Oh, that's a nightmare when I'm filming and you hear... Something goes past. Oh, tell me about it. The amount tell of, me about it. Ah, it. Honestly, it's so, so annoying. And you'll... See, I'll, I'll look at my video back and you could see me getting really angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or you, screaming at the neighbours. Like, ah. like red, like see if there's a podcast in somebody's mid-conversation and there's like a squeak or like something that just happens that's like that squeaking, I can hear it. There's like, I'll just go red and be like, oh my God, what is that? And then I'll be like totally out of control because I can't speak and I'm like, oh my God. And you can't think. <laughs> uh, I also edit through DaVinci Resolve as well. So I'll put the audio through Audacity and then also through DaVinci Resolve. Resolve I like because adjusting the EQ, it's very visual yeah. and I could see exactly what I'm doing and yeah, it's got a lot of tools in terms of noise reduction as well. So you could add an extra yeah. layer of noise reduction, it'll take out hums, it'll take out mm. E sounds, mm. S sounds, it's, yeah. it's very good. Yeah, we had, we had an issue with, uh, I think it was the, the, it was like the echo of, because I'm speaking in this mic. We've managed to fix it. I was speaking in this mic, and then that mic would catch some of the voice. Ah, right. And then you could hear it. It was really strange, but it was almost as if it was just like one frame out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you've got two layers of audio. One frame is I've out. I've had that done before, happened before, yeah. Yeah, so we, we released a podcast, and every time I go and listen to it now, I'm just like, oh my God, that is just so bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel you with that one. Mm. When did the sort of music stuff start in terms of like the violin mm-hmm. and did you did you record your music before you started ASMR? I actually feel like it was around the same time. Um, I, yeah, it was almost be exactly the same time mm. that we d- we started doing both. Uh, Kintra came about because Frankie had been DJing for a few years. Frankie again. <laughs> Frankie had been DJing for a few years and... I saw she was having a lot of fun and we'd always wanted to do something with music together. And we both have put our heads together and we've tried to think, when, what, what was the initial conversation about getting the violin involved? And we can't remember. Yeah, it just kind of happened. Kinda happened. <laughs> uh, one day I was buying an electric violin and then we were playing together. The first six months we played some mad gigs. It was weird how it happened we applied for a couple of festivals and then next thing we knew we were playing in Czech Republic um, mm. within the first six months. But what's that's... It, what's it like over there? Uh, in Czech Republic? 
I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Um, the festival was called Beats for Love, and it was in this old industrial estate kind estate. of thing. Yeah, but it was. It looked like something out of Mad Max. Mm. It was very cool. Um, mm. But back then we were playing house music. We didn't actually hone in on techno until a few years later, actually. In the beginning, we knew we wanted to connect the, the violin and fuse the DJing with that instrument. Yeah. But we didn't know what genre we were going to go down. And like I say, we started off kind of disco house. <laughs> but I found it too cheesy. I didn't like the kind of sound that I was creating. And then we started going down the more melodic house route, which led into kind of like melodic progressive techno. Mm -hmm. And now what we kind of create today. So I think I'm, I'm the one that's like clicking, I'm clicking on my belt. <laughs> all right. these sounds. <laughs> I know the two best people to get in the room. Because <laughs> you've got OCD. <laughs> and, uh, right, okay. So, so you, so, so that's interesting though, the way you went down that. And then how, how the hell do you figure out what you are playing when you're playing the violin mm -hmm. like can you hear yourself when you're playing the violin while i'm playing like a, like while you're doing a set <laughs> the idea is that i could hear myself yeah but sometimes i can't and it's yeah. really hard my electric violin has an input for headphones mm. so i will connect my headphones into the violin but if the club is really loud if it's usually when the club doesn't have a very good sound system and it'll come into the booth and I can't actually hear myself play. Mm -hmm. The only time I'm hearing myself play is if is when it comes through the speakers. And even then, sometimes I'm not really hearing exactly what the, the people on the dance floor are hearing. Yeah. And there's probably been a few occasions where I've watched videos back. And I'm like, oh, my God, like that violin just is didn't sound times? right. Oh, no. Yeah. But recently, uh, more recently, for sure, um, we make sure that we've got a sound check. We make sure that it's sounding good before before the gig because beforehand, you know, we, we'd be coming onto stage, there'd be three DJs before us, there was no time for sound check and I'd be setting up all my equipment while the DJ was still going. And it still happens, but even even now, I'd like to have a sound check before anything kicks off. It's pressure as well, isn't it? Like, yeah. I feel like even when we do podcasts, it's like normally we have Drew here and that's a huge amount of pressure off of me because like, I'm not, uh, as focused on what the cameras are doing yeah. but like for you you're kind of dealing with everything yeah. and if like you go on stage and something is wrong the people that have paid to see you you know the, the, there's like a disconnect I know um, and I remember when we were filming in uh, Aberdeen yes and there was something wrong with the set and Frankie was going ballistic oh yeah, yeah. What, what happened to that I'm trying to remember I mean there's there's a few times where there's been issues that one specifically um, it wasn't connecting to the board, was it? Or the yeah, that was actually it wasn't even the violin. That was the decks. Mm. So for some reason, the decks weren't syncing, mm. and Frankie was playing a tune, and she said, like, "I don't, I don't really know how I'm going to play the next one because this deck's just not registering the USB." And that's so scary. Oh, really, really scary. So like, if the violin doesn't come through, mm. I mean, fine, I'll play the next song. Mm -hmm. But if you can't actually mix and create like play the next song then that's a big issue like, yeah. that was quite that was quite um an anomaly usually the decks are fine usually mm. frankie doesn't have the issue it's usually me that's kind of working around what's going on yeah yeah because i remember frankie she, god bless her i was like I, if i wasn't you've got five minutes until the song ends and you need to figure out how to play the next song 
So she was like obviously going like, cool. I, I need to figure this out. Or the people that are watching us could like no longer <laughs> watch us. It's like, it's wild. And how did you, so how do you record together and how do you like sync up the violin with like, how, what's the process of actually recording? To be honest, we don't actually do a lot of practice together. Hmm. If there's a track that we both like and we know we want to include in a set, like we don't plan our sets, but we have a bank of tunes that we know work well with the violin. So say we find one that we both like, I'll say, right, okay, I'll go away and I'll figure out where I'd play the violin, what would work. Mm-hmm. So I'll go away and do that. And then when we play together, I'll say, right, Frankie, play this tune. And she's like, right, okay. And I'll just play out and that's it. Oh, so it's just like you just sync it up naturally in terms of like liking a song. Yeah. we both yeah. Like if we both decide we like it, then I'll just go away and create a violin part that complements it. And you just create it from your head. Like, yeah. like that's really, you've got talent. <laughs> like how the hell, like I couldn't, to have someone that can like just create stuff uh, off the top of their head that kind of goes with a beat that could be totally different to the last one. That's like, that's wild. I've gotten much better at it, to be fair. Mm. I've, I've almost surprised myself now at not how easily it comes to me because it's still a process and it's still, you know, I have to sit there and think about it. And some, some tunes I'm just like, nah, I, I can't get it. I can't find something that works with this. Mm. But I have noticed that I'm, I am better at it. In the beginning, it was quite intimidating mm. and it was something I wanted to do, but it took a lot of effort. Whereas now, I mean, with anything. It flows a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like repetition. Yeah. Like repetition of doing something, you will get better. It's like yeah. you go to the gym a lot, you'll probably get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And in terms of when you're performing, um, has there ever been any times that it's like gone totally wrong and you just like, it just can't, it's just, yeah um once or twice you know i've i've absolutely bombed and it's been it's been bad <laughs> part of learning though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the beauty of that is i'll just stop playing yeah you know what i mean it's not like i have to play it's not like it's a live band and if the violin's not playing it's obvious there are a lot of periods within a set that i'm not playing mm. so i'm just like okay i'm just gonna step back a little bit and just take myself out of this tune yeah so fortunately it's not too detrimental to the overall performance it's good it's good that it doesn't rely on either like it relies on both of you but it doesn't rely on either one of you like in terms of one person has a mess up the other one can kind of compliment them yeah into bringing it back so let's say your violin stops working or there's something that goes wrong frankie can take, take over or if something goes wrong with frankie's you can kind of take over that yeah so it's quite, <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean so it's quite, quite good you can you can fuck something's gone wrong like please help me and your sister can help you and then Vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had that before, I'm Yeah, like, I was just laughing yeah. at a memory. <laughs> what happened? Uh, just Frankie turning up and um, she was absolutely bladdered and oh, she'd no. put a loop. Uh, sorry, she'd, she was about to, the track was about to finish. And I was just like, I don't think she's noticed that yet. So I just put on a wee loop. And I was like, Frankie. She's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's usually very, very on it. Like yeah. She is yeah. on the ball. Uh, this was just a daft wee gig that we were playing, but it, it was quite funny. Yeah. And I didn't let her love it down. I was like, Frank, remember that time I saved you? <laughs> I saved you. <laughs> do, you do you guys drink before sets? No. Not at all? No. Because there's mean, people I, that drink all the time before sets. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, maybe have one um, cheeky wee rum and coke mm. now and then. But, Calm the nerves. Yeah. 
but to be honest, because I'm playing the violin, I cannot play the violin drunk. Mm. I can't. Um, so I will just opt for just being sober or maybe just one drink just to have something in my hand before the, the gig. But yeah. I don't need it. So you're not awkwardly standing with one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You go to the club and you get social anxiety, so you need a drink in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's the best gig you've ever played, do you think? Best gig. The one that you played in Glasgow was really good, by the way. Which one? The one that I was filming at it. I was literally there. It was you. You drew the whole oh, crowd to oh, that you. That was so much. Yeah, that was a good one. That was platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a good, good gig. New World in December, mm. because we played one of our new edits, the Gigi D'Agostino, uh, La Mortagere's edit, and the audience were singing, or the, the dance floor, I say yeah. audience, but dance floor were singing along to it, and. In the video that we posted, you could see my cheeser. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> playing the violin. Uh, it was a buzz, such a buzz. Mm. Do you think you kind of get addicted to that a little bit? Oh yeah, like that's why we do it. It's the performance aspect yeah. of it. It's that feeling. We've always been in, interested or involved in performance. We were in a drama group. I say we, doesn't mean Frankie. I always mm. kind of use that. Being a twin, it's a habit. Yeah. But we were involved in acting groups, music theatre groups, orchestras, choirs. We've always kind of had that draw to the stage mm. and having this outlet with DJing and violin, it allows them for that. And there's no buzz like it. Do you think it's partially why you do the filming as well? Because there's like, you, when you're filming, it's a performance. Probably. So it's like, you're not getting your fix from the DJing. And you're like, I oh, know I'll do, I'll do YouTube. I'll do YouTube. <laughs> I think it's the satisfaction of creating something. Mm. And for YouTube, not necessarily perform. Now I'm being do I've been doing live streaming. That feels more like a performance. That, oh, that live streaming is exhausting, by the way. Oh, I love it. Do you really like it? I I always stayed clear of it. Mm. I've had a YouTube channel for coming up for five years, or maybe five years now. I can't remember. But I never really streamed. I streamed once or twice, but it was only like celebratory stream. You know, I've hit this milestone, but. In the summer, there was this opportunity that kind of fell into my lap to try on this new platform. So I thought, I'll, I'll try this out. But they were looking for quite a consistent schedule. So once a week. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to do for two hours every week. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? It's, uh, it's too much on the spot. But they were offering money. So I thought, well, okay. <laughs> Sell my soul. <laughs> Let's give this a go. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize how much it, it's not the same as creating an ASMR video. I thought it would be like me filming a video with just a live audience. It's yeah. not, it's like a whispered conversation and it's very interactive. The comment section is always going. I'm responding to the comments. They're responding to what I'm saying. Now there's like a little group of people that show up every single week. They've got a Discord group. When I announce when I'm going live, they'll mm. post it in the Discord group. They speak to each other throughout the week. And then when we all, well, when <laughs> I start streaming, they're all in the group chat, all chatting to each other and mm. chatting to me during the stream. It's so nice. It's also like the sense of community. I it feel is. like a lot of people are quite like, I don't want to say lonely, but let's say Ooh. you've got a wife and kids and you want, you, you want maybe, maybe a break from the kids and you've got this avenue to like go on a live stream and talk to people that are interested in the same thing as you. Yeah. It's like, it's like filling a gap, isn't it? Yeah. It's like filling the void with like 
the creator because they, they can help you fill that gap. I don't um, think I appreciated that before becoming, I suppose I am a bit of a live streamer now. Hmm. Um, Did you Twitch or anything then? I was going to. You would, people make so much money on Twitch. I don't really, I'm, I'm, I'm in, Twitch is in my bad books. Why? Well, kind of in my bad <laughs> books. They saw me on this platform, Beagle, mm. and uh, I was um, approached by Twitch and they said... Is Beagle Twitch's the, competitor? Yes. And right. Twi- Beagle's the one that reached out to me in the summer and said, hey... Can you live stream on the... Can you live stream on our platform? Right. And at that time, they were just looking for any content creators. I didn't really have live streaming experience, but they just wanted people that were willing to join their platform. Hmm. And Twitch saw this, saw that I'd been doing well on it. So they reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to be part of our partner scheme, whatever, we'll give you an upfront fee for streaming as well. Mm. It's like, excellent. Recently, Twitch has gone into a bit of trouble. They had to let go 500 employees, Ooh. which sucks, you know. It, and it meant that my deal with them fell through, which, mm. you know, I, I don't care. It's people's jobs, so that's a shame. But it was a business decision from Twitch and I think they were just getting quite greedy there's a lot of um streamers that are saying that like they're trying to move away from Twitch because it's not the same and it's difficult to grow now on the platform I think but to be fair I think that's across the board there's so much competition yeah YouTube there's there's been issues with it Twitch TikTok they're all competing with each other and it's like stick to what you do and people only have so much attention yeah yeah like eventually that's get that gets stripped it it, it's always easy to grow in the first two years of a platform i grew a hundred thousand followers on tiktok literally in like six months because i was just consistently posting and it was new and covid probably helped to an extent but it was new yeah and now all of a sudden it's so competitive and everyone's fighting for the same attention yeah it's it's a lot harder to go viral difficult yeah and like um there will be another platform though i'm sure that just comes along yeah there always is it's like we, we didn't think social media could get any worse and then tiktok came along i know <laughs> i remember when tiktok came along i i regret it now well, it's not like i regret it but i was like oh, I'm, I'm not gonna mm. look into this you know this is for the young kids and i'm not gonna conform and, and now i've got a tiktok yeah. <laughs> a yeah. few tiktoks um but it's one of those things it's you're right yeah. everything's changing and it will keep continuing to change have you seen what TikTok have introduced in their terms and conditions? No. Regarding the front camera? No. So if you are on the app, mm-hmm. TikTok can go into your front camera and see your facial expressions changing based on what TikTok you were watching and then adjust your algorithm accordingly. Uh, how fucked oh is that? Oh my God. It's very intelligent, but how, mental. That is wild to me that they have that control where they can be like, by the way, we're going to log into your front camera, no matter what you're doing. I'm sure there's guys that are sitting here crapping themselves right now. From what <laughs> they've rock been roll. Doing. <laughs> 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 but, but legit, like, like, like you've seen me with like a jumble chin coming up, but how? I know, like my potato that? face, like, <laughs> hi guys. <laughs> but yeah, they're like measuring everything. Like even Instagram. Wild. They're measuring the amount of time you look at a certain photo. So if you stay and sit and look at, I don't know, a a picture of a watch, there's clocks in the back wall. If you sit and look at a picture of a watch for like 10 seconds instead of five, they go, he likes watches. So they're going to give him more watches. 
like the the the, the uh, intuitive nature of it is like so terrifying mm -hmm. so terrifying and it gets even more terrifying when it gets to the point where it just mirrors what you enjoy and what you like to do yeah. so it kind of like you're in like a mirrored room so if you believe something it will be reflected oh, yeah. back at you. it affirms what you believe and you're connecting with people that also believe the same thing yeah that's why the world's going mental. Yeah, like the, the flat earthers. I'm sure that yeah. their algorithms are flat earth algorithms. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. which is wild. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was actually thinking the other day, I was like, geez, I keep getting a lot of posts about, you know, entering your 30s and blah, blah. I'm like, well, the algorithm knows. Yeah. The algorithm <laughs> knows. Your face twitched uh, in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> the wrinkles. <laughs> What's it like? So you're 30 now. My God, I met Frankie when I was... 20, 20 years old. Wow. Fuck, I'm so old. Wait, how old are you? I'm 26. I know you're not. Come I'm on. I'm 26. I'm getting there though. You know when we you look back? But, like, but see when you look back when you're 20 and it mm -hmm. feels like yesterday. It doesn't, it doesn't. Do you know what? I love 30. Mm. I didn't think I would. It's great. It's not scary? No. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say the months running up to it, yeah, actually, when I when I hit twenty eight, that's when I thought, "Damn, I'm, I'm going to be thirty soon." <laughs> yeah. But I feel I think it's like what I said at the very beginning um, mm. to you because within the past couple of months, I really have got to know myself. I feel like I've entered this new chapter, mm. and I feel so much better about myself. I know who I am. It's I'm having fun. I'm doing what I want to do. And I have direction. I was, I feel like I was treading water in my early 20s. Even my mid-20s, I didn't know what I was doing. And having that clarity now, I'm like, yeah, this is great. It took me, I needed all that to happen for me to be in this place now. And I needed those years to pass for me to be able to be at this point. So being 30, it's, it's a joy. I'm, thank God I'm here. Thank God I've managed to make it. And I've got the rest of my life to have a good time knowing who I am. Do you, do you think it's because you're not trying to prove anything anymore? Partly. It's also partly because I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> Any of the boys out there, you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was in a long-term, I was in chronic long-term relationships. I was mm. in a relationship from the age of 15 to 21. As soon as that ended, I was pretty much in a new relationship with another guy from the age of 21 to 28. That ended straight into wow. another relationship for five months with a guy I met in Ibiza, you know? Wow. I really didn't give myself a break. Um, <laughs> so... Why but, do you think that... Why, why do you think you, you gravitated towards long-term relationships like that? I think partly because I'm a hopeless romantic. Um, Same here, that's fine. Yeah. I'm a twin, so I'm, I'm used mm. to having somebody there. Um, and yeah, it's just the way it happened. I didn't ever go out looking. So when the first... Uh, relationship ended it's not like I was looking for someone I met somebody at a festival mm. and we connected and that was it I thought right let's give this a go and we, st we stuck with each other for seven years I met Ibiza boy and Ibiza you know Ibiza boy <laughs> Ibiza boy um, you know I, I don't know if it's the environment meeting people when you're away I don't know it just it just happened and I didn't think like, oh, maybe I should just wait a little bit. I was just head over heels, straight in, let's go. And when Ibiza boy broke up with me over text. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. I know, it's not that's good. That's a bad show. 24-year-old as well. You know, he's no better that's than that. That's a bad show. Bad show. But 
oh man, I was I was heartbroken, but because I had to process two relationships, like I mean, we were only together for five months. That's nothing. It's like yeah but because i was processing the end of the seven-year relationship you know we had a, we have a flat together we broke up the week we got the keys to our You're, property like yeah you broke up the week you got the I know, keys i know oh, we no. hadn't even lived in it yet um but because oh that's rough yeah i'm, I'm so fine i yeah. am so good but i was having to process that as well because mm. i'd hidden all those emotions with this new relationship and then when that ended I was having to process two breakups at once and it was quite a, a difficult period for me this time last year and getting through that I think it you know I I rationalized it I thought well Josette yeah you've you've been with these people but you I mean I, I'm speaking to myself here mm. because I was so used to being relationships my life was the other person I I mean, I still did my own thing. I was still very independent, which is strange because I'm quite an in independent person, but I became a chameleon. My partner's interests were my interests. I, you know, my first boyfriend loved MMA and Xbox, so that was my interest. My second boyfriend liked craft beer, so I became one of those craft beer wankers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, my third one, well, whatever he liked, I liked too. <laughs> and... Yeah. When I realized that, that's when I started thinking, who am I? What do, what do I like? What makes me tick? What do I really want to do with my life? And I think it gave me the opportunity to start again. Like I say, with the guy I was with for seven years, we were buying a flat together. We were pretty much going to get married in the next couple of years. I thought I was going to be married by the age of 30. Uh, and my life was following a trajectory and I could see it and I knew what was going to happen. And when that all kind of came tumbling down, I was able to th sort of pick myself back up and think, right, well, well what's next for me? Mm. And it was like a breath of fresh air. It was like, well, I felt like I was 20 again. Like the world is your oyster. What am I going to do? Yeah. I, could, I could do anything. And that's probably what's got to me at this point of why I'm loving being 30, first and foremost. Um, but also because going through that has allowed me to find out who I am as well without that other person. There's almost like a common thread through your life of like trying to help people mm -hmm. because you've got your YouTube channel. Yeah. But then in relationships as well, you've kind of got this thing where uh, you say your partner's interests become your interest because you want to help them and you want to be around them. You know, did you get what I mean? It's almost you like are, a, I haven't even gone into it, but you're hitting the nail on the head. Like mm. my last boyfriend, I'm, I'm not blown on trumpet here, but he mm. said to me one time, he was like, you're just like a wee fairy come in with your fairy dust and fix your boyfriends and then leave mm. and he he when he said that I was like what and he had a point because you know I I kind of did I, there was things that I tried to help him through he had some issues and I really tried to work with him on them and the guy I was with for seven years as well you know I I do feel like through our relationship I helped him through certain yeah. things and I don't know I, I think for my next relationship, I'd like somebody to help, help me a little bit, to sort of be my rock, to support me a little bit more. Not that I'm, you know, I'm not being callous about my exes. I actually have a lot of respect and a lot of time for them and I don't dislike any of them. You know, I appreciate- That's how it should be. Yeah, I appreciate them yeah. all as who they are. And, you know, they're now with people that totally suit them. And I'm like, amazing, I'm so happy for them. 
but I'd like now for me to find somebody. Well, I'm not actually not right now. I'm having a great time on my own, like genuinely. But single when life. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, single for the first time at the age of 29, mm. like ever, ever. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> but when I do find someone, I think it would be great if I could find somebody that's looking to bring the best out in me. Mm. I think that's important. Yeah, and switch the rules a little bit. A little bit. Why do you think it is that you you feel like you need to help people? Um, I want people to be happy. Why? Because I feed off that energy. Hmm. Probably. So if you were... I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm just coming up with this right now. Yeah. But I, I reckon that's what it is. Um, I know I, I do. I, I like people... I like making people feel good. And if somebody's got an issue or a problem that they're trying to work through something that's blocking their mind from doing something it's impeding on their happiness and if I could help that and make their life a wee bit better that that gives me a sense of meaning and satisfaction in a way sense of purpose a wee bit sense of, yeah sense of purpose for sure mm. yeah it's quite, it's, quite, yeah, it's, quite, it's quite a nice purpose to have, really. Yeah, I think that's why I'm drawn to performing as well. It's giving somebody something in that moment, uh, making people dance. Mm. I just want to make people have a good time. Yeah. And feel happy and feel something. Mm. So I think that's why I'm drawn to all these different things. The performance arts as well, because mm -hmm. it's, it's violin. You've got your YouTube yeah. sitting in front of camera. You're, I mean, you're doing a podcast right now. Um, entertainment you, I guess I like to entertain <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what it is but I feel like there, there's there's normally you see with entertainers there's normally something below the surface that's driving them to help people or feel like they need to entertain mm -hmm. um, and I'm just trying to get to the root of what you think that mm -hmm. kind of is in terms of you want to help people but is there something that's happened when maybe you've not been helped and you feel like you don't want anyone else to feel that way no actually I'm I am generally quite a happy person, fortunately for me. It's interesting with ASMR because a lot of people that watch ASMR do suffer from anxiety and mm -hmm. depression. And to be honest, that's something that I don't understand all that much. Like, sure, I've been anxious before, I've been sad before, but I've never really fully suffered from it clinically. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting that, you know, I'm trying to help people with something that I don't quite understand, but I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just want to at least lighten the mood through mm. my videos somehow um, and provide that safe space, I think. Mm. Um, I would say interestingly, over the past four months, five months, I've kind of touched upon living on my own. I've definitely experienced loneliness for the first time in my life. And that's something I've never really had before. You know, being a twin, always with Frankie, and then always being in a relationship and always living, and never lived on my own. So it's all came at once, working from home, living on my own and being single. And now I feel like I could actually relate to my audience a bit more. I, I see why they come to me. I see why they're sitting on my live streams why they watch my videos because i i also appreciate having them there when i'm feeling lonely too mm. and i could relate on that level and that's insightful and I f i'm feeling less lonely now because i'm coming to terms with 
I'm not coming to terms, that's a bit too strong, but I'm getting used to being on my own. I'm getting used to my own company. And I'm still out every weekend um, DJing. I'm still seeing friends during the week. So for me, like my life's actually very social. There's a lot of people that I see throughout the week, but it's a big change for me. And I'm an extrovert. Uh, so it's, you know, there'll be maybe three days. Like this is, you're the first person I've seen all week. And that's a big deal for me. Um, sure. Maybe not for a lot of people, but for me it is. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I feel like it's kind of coming, it's helping me a little bit with my videos. I feel like I'm perhaps, yeah, like I say, able to relate more. And if I'm able to relate, then perhaps provide something that's a little bit more tailored to somebody that would be suffering from the same thing. It's funny, I don't think your audience would, it's interesting for your audience to know that as well, though. Like, as well as them uh, getting help from you, you were actually getting help from them in a yeah. lot of ways when it comes to like, like when I'm kind of the same as you to an extent. I'm probably more introverted. But if I'm feeling lonely, I'll be like, well, if I go on a live stream and there'll be familiar names that pop up that I see all the time. Oh. And I'm like, you know, hey, Bob's Watches, how are you doing? <laughs> what watch have you got on today? And like, they help you as much as you help them. Yeah, it's a community that I didn't even consider. Like I say, I, before I did live streaming, it was a very unknown entity to me. And now it's my life and I could see why it's so beneficial for people that don't indulge in live streams or watch them. They might just think it's, again, maybe a bit of a weird thing, but it's, it's that sense of community. People don't really go to, like our parents would go to the pub and they'd go to the pub every night and see their pals every night or whatever. Now people are sitting on streams or sitting on social media connecting that way. Um, I mean, I prefer going to the pub. <laughs> Same here, don't worry. <laughs> but it's, 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 just, it's just how things are these days. Mm. And I think there's definitely a benefit to it. There's a space for it and a need for it. Do you think that drinking, see if you do go to the pub, do you think mm. that drinking makes the uh, waking up alone worse? Like, do you feel worse oh, yeah. when you drink? Actually, I've definitely cut back on how much I drink mm. uh, over the past couple of months because I just don't, I'm fine now. But when, especially when I was going through like the, the hardest part of the breakup, mm. you know, really processing and getting over the pain, I didn't like being hungover because then I felt really sad yeah. and super lonely. So I think it's become a habit now. I've, I've, I, mean, I was in India, I was drinking every day, but <laughs> it's, it's the hangover. So it's the amount that I'm drinking. It's a lot less. I'm not going out to get drunk anymore. I'm going out to maybe have two yeah. or three and that'll be enough. And I'm very happy with that. Yeah. It's, there's a weird thing that happens. Like, see, if you're in a hostel, I remember we'd go out in Thailand and we'd wake up in a hostel and you'd be hungover, but because you're with other people, you don't feel that bad. hundred percent. Whereas when you wake up by yourself, oh. you've got terminal depression. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I just want to cuddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Legit. I, I don't know what it is in, in the, in the brain that actually, there must be some kind of receptor that when you're with other people, you, you feel better because we're, we're kind mm -hmm. of meant to be together as animals. Yeah, I would definitely say that's the case. I also think when I'm with other people, I don't have time to think about my feelings. Um, maybe it's not processing stuff. Maybe. Kind of thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, and when you're around people, you you put forward your best foot, don't you? you even if you're feeling crap inside, you'll yeah. 
you, you won't sit there like Eeyore, doom and gloom. You'll, you'll try and bring yourself to the conversation. You'll try and lively yourself up for the sake of the conversation. Yeah. Fake it till you make it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> in maybe. some ways. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Th- there's been days that I've woken up, like w- when I was in Thailand, you, like you've been to Thailand. Yeah. Like measures are wild. The booze is so cheap. And I'd wake up with like, you'd be still drunk actually. Yeah. Like yeah, you would, yeah. you would, you'd just be still drunk. And, but you just didn't, there was, there was just, there was just like a, like, it, it's always like a holiday hangover doesn't feel the same as like a UK hangover mm-hmm. because you're out with friends. Yeah. It's not as bad. I think also as well, you don't get the fear because yeah. you were out with these people the night before mm. and then you're all waking up like, ah, that was funny. <laughs> ah, Bob, what were you like last night? Ah, whatever. Yeah. Whereas when you wake up in your own bed, you're like, oh my God. Who did I offend? Yeah. Who did I annoy? And then you're like, kind of like texting your friends, being like, hey, are you all right? <laughs> Seeing if they come back at you, like, I hate you, never speak yeah. to me again. <laughs> so it's maybe that as well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think the last time I saw Frankie, I was so drunk. Did, did she tell you about this? I think what or maybe was she, that? I don't think so. When would it have been? <sighs> no, she definitely before didn't. Before Christmas. I think yeah, it was before Christmas. What's that club in Glasgow? It's like, it's on Sucky Hall Street. It's got two floors. The bottom floor is like kind of a, like kind of dingy basement DJ. Oh, uh, uh, broadcast. So, yes, broadcast. maybe broadcast. Or nice and sleazy. Yes, what, one of the, I think it was broadcast. Okay. And I was out for the whole day with the boys. I can't remember why we were out. I think the football or rugby or something mm-hmm. was on. And then I went and I saw, I bumped into Frankie and I remember like one of the first words that came out of Frankie's mouth was like, you've been drinking. And I was like, oh my God. And okay, I Frankie's off. so bad for that. I oh. will say, you know, Frankie's like, hey, you're drunk. Yeah. She'll, she'll say that to me all the time. So don't feel bad. It's fine. Yeah. It's just, oh yeah. It was just, you know, when you wake up and you're just like, oh, fuck. hundred percent. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. It's so bad. When's the next time you're performing with Kintra? Uh, you know? Yes, um, we're performing in room two, the end of March, um, we're supporting Fisher for his headline gig. That's quite cool. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. Um, and then we're playing in Newcastle, I think a week or two later, uh, mm. in World Headquarters, which is one of my favourite clubs in Newcastle, so it's really big. looking forward to that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big old school club, it's been going mm. for a long time. Newcastle's wild, by the way. Oh, it's fun. Newcastle's so fun. Were you there recently? I, I was there in summer and I just didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of oh, like... It was your first time. First time. Oh, nice, nice. But the measure, it was almost like being in Europe a little bit. Mm. Like weirdly, like, because well, it was it, really warm. It was at that point really right. warm. But the buildings the, are quite Europe, European vibe. feeling, like, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful sandstone. Stunning. Love it. Yes. Stunning. And yeah, it's really good night out. Did mm. you go to the, there's the, the massive square yeah like, yeah and we were drinking pretty much just went around the whole square oh it's so much so fun. nice i so i was living there for five years oh uh, did you yes, yes i didn't know that yeah yeah so my ex was a geordie right okay okay so i was like got a flat in whitley bay mm. um and that's that's where i moved from last year when we broke up i'm oh, sorry it would have been 2022 now so mm. when we broke up i up and left newcastle was that during covid no just no. after it was, was before a year after COVID. COVID after. finished like 2021, I think. Because yeah. we were in lockdown the first time was 2020. Oh, I just feel like COVID was oh, just I know. two years. Oh, I know. It's just dragged <laughs> on. But yeah, so we we broke up summer 2022 and it was very unexpected. And by the end of the week, I'd left Newcastle and came to Glasgow. Shit, so, so you'd moved everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because I'm... I was working for myself. So mm. I was like, well, you know, 
I don't really have any need to stay here. Frankie had a, a spare room at the time. So mm. I thought, well, I'm not going to hang around here. Let's move to Glasgow. So is the YouTube, I, knew, I mean, there's obviously other stuff like the live streaming stuff and all the kind of other contractual stuff that comes along with it. But has the ASMR stuff been the full-time job for five years? No, no. So I had just quit my full-time job maybe a couple of months before leaving Newcastle. Okay. Um, I worked for Newcastle Uni. So my mm. job was international recruitment officer. So I would go to China, meet international students, tell right, them. Right, that's where the Chinese yes, thing came from. Yes, that's why I was from. doing the business trips to China. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I did that for about four years. Mm. Uh, and I quit that because the job was amazing when I could travel. Like 12 weeks out of the year, I was out, uh, out the country. But COVID messed it all up. And I wasn't able to travel for like a couple of years. And there wasn't a lot of progression in the job. And I thought, well... YouTube sustaining me, but Kintra was the focus. So I thought, well, if I could sustain myself with YouTube, it gives me a lot of flexibility for working on Kintra. And at the time I was living in Newcastle, but I was up in Glasgow every other weekend mm -hmm. for gigs. So that was another reason why I decided to move to Glasgow because I thought I'm, I'm here all the time anyway. Mm. You know, there's nothing keeping me in Newcastle. So as sad as I was to leave Newcastle, I still, I'm still there like once a month, genuinely, yeah. um, back down to see pals and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, Glasgow seemed like the next move. Yeah, yeah. And what's on the list for Kintra? Because you're, you're saying you've got more time now because mm -hmm. you're focusing on the, the more YouTube uh, side of things. Uh, is Kintra getting more into the social media scene? Is that what you're doing? You're trying to build That's that exactly social following? That's exactly what we need to do. I think mm -hmm. we've kind of exhausted uh, Scotland in the sense that we've played at the major festivals now or most of the ma major festivals. We've played the venues we want to play. People know you in Scotland. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But we're still not where we want to be in the sense I would love if I could keep YouTube as something I did on the side and Kintra was my main focus <laughs> in terms of income but it's the opposite way around at the moment so I think for Kintra to grow at the moment I, I would need to focus on social media more than I am we both would have to or we both have to but Frankie has her BBC job that she's doing yeah. um, I've got a lot of experience in like YouTube and TikTok and whatnot. So that's kind of why I've adopted this role and yeah. trying to push the socials. Yeah. So that's the next step. So is it, are you sort of trying to, yeah, you're trying to create content, daily content just to push out? Yeah. And I think I want to get to the point where I'm proactive. I feel like the last year and a half, I've been very reactive on all levels. I've been processing a lot. I've been dealing with a lot. Um, there's been th things that have gone on that I've just that have just kind of meant that things that uh, my life has been a bit slow. So I've still been pushing Kintra, I've still been pushing YouTube, but it's it's all very reactive. And I think once I've caught up with my work from India, I'm going to try and forward plan a little bit more, be more proactive and rather than doing a mix because I have to, doing a couple of mixes for things that come up in the future. Hmm. That kind of thing, just an example. Yeah, I think that that's where most people start is like the they don't really... There's no strategy behind it. Yes, it's yeah. more just doing it because for the love to do it. Yeah. And, and then the more the more you do it, you think, well, I, I kind of need to figure out where my time is being spent yeah. so that I can plan ahead. Yes. And that's the 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 strategic bit of it. Yeah. Is like, um, and this comes with time. This isn't something that like all of a sudden overnight happens. But the strategic bit is the important bit because yeah. that's how you really grow. Because yeah. like, um, when I was doing my personal YouTube. I was like, right, the strategy for me 
is every Sunday I will do a vlog in a different bit of Scotland and by the end of the year I'll have hit every single bit of Scotland so if anybody's looking up anything they're going to land on my channel that was the strategy but I'd already put in three years work before that doing whatever the fuck I wanted (laughs) so that's exactly where I'm at at the moment I'm like right what's my next move mm. Um, because I look back at the past year and a half and I think where did my time go Mm. and obviously I like it could be measured if I really sat down and think right okay I did this and that but there was no strategy for a lot of it. It was kind of... Spray and pray. Yeah, like, well, what's coming up next, right? What do I need to practice for? What do I need to do? Blah, blah. And I I don't like working that way, but it's the way I've been working for the, the past year and a half. So, yeah. again, I kind of go back to the whole, you know, closing the book on the last chapter, and then I'm... not. It's not even like the chapter. It's a new book. That's, that's what I feel like <laughs> I'm starting, you know, yeah. and I want to have a different way of working um in all aspects of my life moving forward so that's that's where i need to get to yeah the the planning bit is something that let me know when you like when you're looking to do that because we've done uh templates and stuff of of, of marketing plans and stuff oh like it'll that. be so within the next couple of weeks so i oh we can we can send sure. you stuff and there's templates you can use and just like when to post certain things <clears throat> and like little things you can do to, for the algorithm to like you and yeah. all that kind of stuff one thing i was going to say before YouTube Shorts, um, you, you hit the nail on the head. If you were to post YouTube Shorts, this is, this is where YouTube got the algorithm wrong. Is that my chair that's squeaking? I think it might be. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> YouTube got the algorithm, most of it right, it's pretty good. But if you post short form content and someone subscribes, as you were saying, yeah. they're not going to watch your long form content. No. And one of the most key metrics or one of the key metrics is obviously click through rate. So you, the, the my guidance over the, recent kind of years has been steer clear of short form before they sort that out yeah i think they need two different subscriber bases 100 percent. and not only that it's youtube videos are pushed based on how popular your channel is as a whole so i feel like your Mm. channel has value if somebody clicks on your video and watches it or not even watches all of it but they're like right okay what's the next one and they start clicking and if it's the amount of time they actually spend on your channel as well yeah so if you have a couple of hundred full long form videos, but somebody's only sitting there for maybe 15 minutes watching, maybe you've got 15 shorts and they've watched all 15 of your shorts, but they're not spending any time on a long form. Hmm. So it's going to decrease, well, in my opinion, I feel like surely it's got to decrease the value of your long form videos because these subscribers aren't even touching them. Hmm. And I don't know how the algorithm works, but it's, I've, I've seen and I've analyzed channels that have done well and it's because all their videos are good and consistent. Mm. And I feel like this, the shorts are just going to start interfering with that. or they, yeah. they do a little bit. Or it takes your time away. And, and also I feel like people don't really get to know you through a short. Like it, the lady that approached you in the street, she wouldn't have watched a short. No. Because she wouldn't have recognized you if she'd watched a short. Like I can't remember the last 20 TikToks I watched mm-hmm. because it's so fast. Whereas... Peter McKinnon, he's a famous YouTuber, photographer, he's amazing. I'll watch his videos for like 20 minutes and it builds up a rapport. I kind of know him. He, I'm just a random guy, but like I, I kind of know him uh, through that. And that's what Shorts is kind of missing. Like it's, yeah. it's not a subscriber. It's kind of just like a, I a like A short hit of information or a short hit of entertain, entertainment, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. But there's a guy on TikTok that, I'm not sure if you've seen him, he does the news all the time. To be fair, I being even though I'm like a content creator, I consume very little. 
It's good. Content, yeah. But that's how it should be. The, my uh, Drew, who's normally sitting behind the camera, he's away at the moment, but the very first time like we were started to work together, um, he was like, you consume too much content. He was like, stop being a consumer. He said, stop being a consumer and start being a creator. Yeah. And he's like, you, you cut out the shit, <clears throat> do your own thing and people will follow. Yeah. And that's what a creator is yeah, instead yeah. of following a trend. Yes. And that's kind of like what social media does which kills creativity, but then you've got to play the game. Is that what you're trying to do with Kintra? Yeah, yeah, and that's, right, 100%, you hit the nail on the head again. We, we we got into techno because we like it, but also because the Glasgow techno scene is big, and we thought, well, if we're wanting to try yeah. and tap into the, the Glasgow underground music scene, techno's probably the way to go. But since going to India it probably inspired me more for music. Like, yeah, I feel like it, it's helped me, you know, understand who I am. But in terms of the music over there, the type of music people listen to and seeing their dance floors, mm -hmm. it was different. People on the dance floor there, from the clubs I went to at least and the festivals I went to at least, barely any phones mm -hmm. and people all were dancing, like proper hippie mad dancing, <laughs> but it was great. Here in Scotland... You've got that little bob that people do when yeah. they're sort of dancing away or their phones or they're speaking to each other or they're on their phone. And it's not always, not always. That's not fair for me to say, but a lot of the scene is yeah. that. And I think Frankie and I from witnessing both, we're like, well, let's just get on social media and just do our thing. Mm. And hopefully if people like it, it'll grow. Like I, I've, I've decided to start creating because I feel like there's value in what I create. I don't want to create yeah. to um, yeah, fit a mold. I don't want to create to make money in that sense. Like obviously I'd love to have like sustain myself with it and have a living yeah. off of music, but it's not like I want to create music to be number one in the charts. It's mm. not like I will just copy everyone else to do that. I think if I've got an idea and if people start resonating with it, then that's that's what I want. That, and that's great. That's enough. If I could create something that's unique, that one person's like, hey, like I love mm. that. Even if it's just the one person, that's that's me doing what I think is my job. What do you think it is about the UK that makes us so reserved? Mm. <clears throat> like when we're on the dance floor, phones are out or it's the little head bob yeah uh, unless someone's absolutely on drugs <laughs> well, like, what, why is it that it seems to be a uk thing i've been i've been very lucky that i've traveled around the world and uh like doing photography and video and in other cultures it's just not really like that i know i don't i think mm, especially with scotland I th I've, I've seen it with asmr right i'll go back to asmr first of all i'm trying to like pull together my thoughts there was a scottish creator uh and him and i would comment um on each other's videos at the like the very beginning of my journey on asmr um and he would say to me how he felt embarrassed or worried that people would find him and i was of the same mindset i was like yeah like if people find my channel i don't know what i'm gonna do like we're talking five years ago and he would be of the same mindset whereas the our American counterparts, they didn't care. You know what I mean? They were announcing it to their their friends, their <laughs> colleagues. And it got me thinking, what is it about mentality? You know, at the time, I was like, Scottish mentality. You know, if you step outside the norm, you're considered weird or 
you know, like, oh, well, look at them. It's not like, oh, wow, they're, they're yeah, well done. Yeah, they're doing mm. something unique. It's who do they think they are? Mm. You know, what? Why do they think they're any different from us? Kind mm. of thing. And it does seem to be a mindset that we've got. I don't know why. Um, in Scotland, I put it down to maybe there's. I, I hate to say it, but perhaps a more working class mentality in the mm. sense that it's we, we we're all kind of brought up the same and. I don't, I, yeah, we weren't pushed to do anything else. It's like, don't go outside the norm. Yeah, it's like, stick to what you know. Hmm. Um, not necessarily working class, but I think it's it's been a generational thing that's... Yeah. yeah. It's just Europe's very different. And I, even I feel the way that Europeans have, uh, like, fun, they don't always have to be drunk. To yeah. have fun. Like I was dating a Greek girl for a while and the, the, the Greek girl seemed so much more just confident in herself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. She was very like, like if she wanted to go and dance but not drink, that was fine. Yep. Whereas if I'm going to go dance, you best be like, you yeah, yeah. best believe I'm fucked. Yeah. Like, and it's, there's just this really weird thing when it comes to Scots, London's pretty bad as well, but Scotland in particular, where it's like, they don't seem happy with themselves or they seem like they feel like people are judging them. Yeah. Perhaps who aren't because the older you get, the more you realize people probably don't care. Yeah. Or people forget within five seconds. I think it's maybe the scale. Like Mm. I'm from Dundee and my dad has sometimes said, you know, Dundee and Aberdeen, they're, they're cities, but they've got village mentality. Mm. And I think that, I think that's what I was trying to say with the whole working class thing. It's not necessarily that. It's just that it's, the small scale, everyone doing the same thing, everyone coming from the same background, mm. which is a good thing in some ca- in some ways, you know, we're all kind of from the same level, but it's also, you, you know everybody and you've got that judgment from people and- You don't want to stand out. You don't want to, yeah. I think mm. that maybe is more what it is. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's just a really strange mentality that we have. But I think that that kind of it, it shows you who your real friends are if you do something that could be considered weird. Yeah. And the people that stay with you are they're your true friends. Yeah. They might roast you. Like I have the boys that that yeah, like you know, Harrison. You know, you're an idiot. You're you're you know whatever. And uh, yeah, fair enough. It's always going to happen. But the people that that kind of drop off are the ones that probably weren't your friends in the first place. Yep, a hundred percent. I think the last year or two, I have made connections with people stronger than I've ever had in my life. Like, yeah, I had friends in school. I had good friends in school, best friends. But the people that I've met now are my people. And I think I put a lot more emphasis on friendship as well because I am single. You know, when you've got a partner, you your desire for having friends is reduced somewhat because you've got that companionship and your partner Mm. but now so there's probably a couple of reasons that I put a lot more emphasis on friends but it is also because I I have met my people I am me Mm. and the Frankie sometimes says to me Josette you seem to attract all the weirdos all your friends are the weirdos I'm like well it's because I'm weird you know what I mean (laughs) so of course my friends are going to be a bit a bit Mm. kooky you know (laughs) yeah no, so are mine. So are mine. It's, <laughs> but that's just kind of the way it goes, isn't it? It's like, because when I was starting in photography, there, there was people that like, yeah, obviously as like a, like a young photographer, you're not going to be great. So like 
There was people that I used to be friends with. That looking back in it, they, I was probably just a drinking buddy instead of their friends. Yeah. I was probably just making them feel better at the fact that they wanted to get smashed because yeah. I would do it too. Yeah. And like, I, I think everyone goes through that phase, but uh, people drop off left, right and center that start finding their thing. And for you, that was ASMR yeah. on YouTube and Kintra. So you found your thing. So you don't need to drink as much really. Or yeah. you, you don't need that group of friends that you were friends with before. For me, it was photography. Mm-hmm. And that kind of uh, switch in your mentality happens when you when you kind of realise that. Do you feel that's kind of what's happened with you? I think so. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's been focusing more on what I enjoy. So like before I'd had school, university or work and I had my work friends and you have your university mates but when you really start tapping into your passions and you find other people that are passionate and you connect with that then you're going to have a deeper relationship I think and it's more meaningful sometimes yeah it's also really scary that people don't find that Mm. there's people that go for their whole lives and because they're too scared to try anything maybe it's the Scottish mentality yeah kind of small-minded yeah they will just never find what they're good at. They'll like they'll just never find their thing that like makes them get up in the morning. Yes. Like they will never like you, you'll get up and be really excited to do your work. As am I. You were coming in for a podcast. I was like, yes, I get to set up the lights and I can do everything. And that really excites me. Some people just never find that. So their their release is going out and drinking. Yeah. And I think that's really sad. And I totally agree. I think that there's a lot of people like that and I think there's something attractive about being passionate about it. Like mm. it doesn't matter what somebody's passionate about. If they have a passion, mm. it you feel it from them, you feel the energy. They you could vibe with that. Yeah. And it is attractive and it's I think it's so important. We all need it. But as you said, some people unfortunately don't explore that or find it. And there's nothing more than like when I was going through my, I've got a girlfriend now, but when I was going through my dating phase, there would be people that I would date that were super, super passionate about what they did. And I'd be like, that's really attractive. Yeah. Because the, I wasn't the primary, you know, I wasn't their focus. Their focus was, I mean, I don't really know you, so you're all right. I'll give you some attention, but my focus is here. That's really attractive. Yep. Whereas you then get people that are like, oh, I kind of hate my job. Yeah. And then you, they become dependent on you. Yes. And that isn't great it's not a great dynamic to have whereas if you do have that passion and thing you love to do it is more attractive to people yeah it shows they have a zest for life and finding that happiness through something because a lot of people go into relationships looking for that other person to complete them Hmm. i think that's quite a good that's quite a good quote there yeah yeah (laughs) they they do they they go to the they go into the relationship looking for happiness and Hmm. I've realized that through being single, a lot of people, oh, well, you know, well, my mom especially, bless her, she's like, oh, I just want you to find somebody nice. I'm like, if I do, great. If I don't, I will be perfectly happy mm. for the rest of my life doing my thing. And that was liberate. When I realized that, I was like, mm. I feel like I could do anything. I don't need somebody. I don't need to be looking for someone. But when I do, if, well, I think I will. <laughs> but if I do find someone, I want to find someone that's going to, enjoy life with me I want to find someone to enjoy life with I don't want to find someone to make me happy I want a life partner a life partner somebody to experience life with on the subject of life we have a closing tradition on the podcast what is the 
I suppose it would kind of relate to music and ASMR with you. What is the biggest lesson that you've learned through music and ASMR in your life? Be authentic because there are so many other people doing something and I think when you're authentic, people resonate with that, you know, and if you want to copy other people, what's the point? They're already out there doing it. You know, there's so many DJs and you could see how a DJ plays and the music they play and they're a carbon copy of another bigger DJ. So yeah. well, what's the point? There's already that person there. Yeah. Be yourself and find new people that will resonate with what you do mm. rather than just picking up the audience that's already listening to that DJ. Yeah. yeah. So being authentic. Yeah, it does. It helps people find you. I feel like there's so many photographers that do this as well. They go to the same spot and shoot the same thing. Yeah. And like, the, the, you're like, you're never going to stand out because there's 150 of that picture out. There's a photographer, his book's actually, his book's there called Chris Burkhard. And every single one of his photos is like totally different. Like you've never seen it and you can't recreate it because it's, you know, uh, there's people doing something which you can't recreate or it's a sport that you can't recreate. And if you are unique and you find your individuality, people do gravitate towards that. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. Where can people find you? So you could find me on YouTube as ASMR Sharp Red. Yep. <laughs> Have a laugh if you want, <laughs> or you might be relaxed. <laughs> um, and Kintra Music, obviously. So we're mm. on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, with uh, SoundCloud as well. And then just Josette DJsma. Yeah. I do DJ on my own sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 And where, when are you next playing? Where, where can people find you when you're as so Kintra? Kint, so Kintra's uh, room two, the last Friday or Saturday. I, I really mm. need to get better at this. Um, <laughs> It'll come up. Just look up Kintra. <laughs> you look up Kintra, room two, end of March. Um, but I'm actually DJing in Newcastle in, in a few weeks as well. So that'll be fun on my own. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that because I haven't had a gig on my own in a wee while. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. I, I literally didn't look at one question there, so <laughs> you can tell it's a good podcast <laughs> yeah. when that happens. I got a pee so bad. Yeah, oh yeah, fair play.